0: It's good to simply call on the name of Jesus, because his name changes everything. And um, Mm -hmm. we say this all the time as a church, we want to help you find what matters. Like I said, we're going to have a series about that starting next week. The bottom line is, Jesus matters, and when you start to understand that Jesus matters, you understand how much you matter. Mm -hmm. Because Jesus died for you and for us, for all of us. So, hey, um, again, I'm really excited everybody is here with us today, uh, whether you're new with us, um, whether you're watching online, uh, maybe you're listening in Spanish, that, that I am thankful that you are here. And um, we're going to wrap up this series that we're calling Tailgate Talks, that, mm-hmm. that basically we're at the end of the summer. Uh, College football camp started this week, right? I was out on Coastal's campus um, getting to go to football practice, and it was just a beautiful thing. Um, We've got people that are going out and buying school supplies right now. And, um, you know, some of you, you're having to do that for your kids. That's awesome. I want to remind you as a church, the way we really like to do back to school is if you're buying school supplies for your child, if you can, just pick them up for another child as well. Now, we don't do a massive collection here at church because we have found the best thing we can do is just bless the teachers because the teachers know which students need the extra help. Uh, so if you just hand it off to, a, uh, to your teacher and say, please make sure a child in need gets this, they will, all right? And uh, so while you're out this week buying school supplies, take care of another kid. If you don't have a child, just go to the school supply area because they'll have a list. And you can just go, I'm going to buy for a first grader. Here's what they need. Or I'm going to buy for a third grader. Here's what they need. And then give that to somebody you know who's heading to a school. If you don't know anybody, drop it off here. We know a lot of educators in our community, and we'll get it to them, okay? Um, so, so that's just what, the way we kind of handle it. We found that's the best way is put it in the hands of those who know who is in need, all right? So, now, I want us to dive into this topic. Again, it was a tailgate talk. We've kind of said we're going to go through the book of Proverbs and just see what kind of things we can pull out of it. And uh, week one, we talked about wisdom. Uh, Kevin, could you kind of give us a reminder of wisdom and, and from Proverbs, just your thoughts on that? That's right. So, so week one was pretty much
1: the setup and the summary, kind of for Proverbs, which, uh contrast a wise person and a foolish person. And and the big idea is if you would like to make better decisions and have fewer regrets in your life, avoid some of the train wrecks and pitfalls that could come and then recover more quickly when you have those, then
0: you should pursue wisdom, which Proverbs is full of. Perfect. Perfect. You want to... Better decisions, fewer regrets, listen to the wisdom. Love that summary. Um, uh, the, the following week, we talked about warnings. I preached here, and, and I talked about pay attention to the dashboard lights. Like, if you remember that, if you were here. If not, if you drive a car or ride in a car, you understand it, that there's these warning indicators on your dashboard. And when they come up, it's not there just to light up the dashboard for the fun of it. It is there to help you uh keep from destruction, right? So um, pay attention to warnings from God's word. Pay attention to the warnings that he gives you so that you avoid destruction, right? And then we follow that up the next week by wealth. Clay, give us some wisdom when it comes to wealth.
2: Yeah, I think the big thing to know about wealth is that it just, it's something that's built over time and it takes effort and it takes planning and that wealth doesn't necessarily always look how we think it's gonna look. But to get all of that, the best thing you do is build great habits. And uh, the younger you can build those habits, the better off you'll be, uh, because the older you get, the harder habits are to break, whether that is a good habit or a bad habit. The, the habits that you start at 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, man, those will make a huge difference in your life.
0: That's exactly right. All right, And then, Kevin, on this campus, you talked about work. Um, so. Any summary you wanna give us about work? Just listen, we talked about the ants, because I wanted you to remember the imagery and the
1: idea that even if sometimes your job is not awesome, um, you have an awesome God who gives us, actually the gift of work, and it can be an opportunity for you to worship
0: in spite of circumstances and uh, bring glory to Him. That's right, that's right. And then last week, um, we talked about wedlock and marriage. Um, I've been married for 30 years now, okay? So excited about that. Krista was originally going to be doing this communication with me. Um, uh, she got sick during the week, so she's not able to. So that's the reason these guys are. But we've been married for 30 years. Talked about that a little bit last week. You've been married for? I've got 24. 24 years. Not far. Years. Behind. Not, far. Yeah. Not, not far behind. Clay, how many of you guys got? We
2: got five. Five. All right. So yeah, it's crazy. It's flying yeah.
0: by. Anybody else in here been married um, five years or less? five years or less. Okay. Uh, A couple other couples. Yeah. Like five weeks or less from over there. Okay. (laughs) Um, but, but I often say this in premarital counseling, the first five years are, are the hardest because you're learning one another. You're trying to figure out, um, how to function together and live together and all that stuff. So Clay, what would you say that you've learned in five years and, and about marriage?
2: great question uh thankfully a lot uh because when i got married to katie boy she had a lot of problems to fix <laughs> um so i've learned a lot and i think the biggest thing i've probably learned is if i think before i speak life gets a whole lot better than, for me yes <laughs> but if i speak uh before i think our lives get, nope not our lives my life gets nope. much worse that's right
0: that's right think before you speak. How many of y'all would say that's good uh, marriage advice right there? You know what I'm saying? Think before you speak. Um, I saw a lot more females' hands go up
1: (laughs) as they looked at their husbands. As they were like, are you paying attention? (laughs) Yeah. Write that in your
0: notes. All that to be said, you know, those are, those are the things we've covered so far. And we want to add two more to the list today. And uh, we're going to stick with these kind of W words, if you saw that, wisdom to warning uh, to wealth, work, wedlock. Um, And and today, we're going to add two more. And the first one I want us to hit is words, which, Clay, you really kind of set that up by just saying, think before you speak, Um, because words matter. Words matter. I love the way the writer of Proverbs put it. He said this: "Those who control their tongue will have long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything." Right? Like just so clear, so to the point. Um, so, so I want us to talk about this because words do truly matter. And, and those can be words from our mouth, words um, in our head. Those could be words um, that we express. Um, so, so Kevin, take us down this, this route a little bit, just talking about words. So I, I love we're hitting the theme of words. Um, I'm going to talk about the words that come out of our mouth,
1: which again, I love because if you look at the um, love languages, uh, touch and gifts and service, Um, whatever the other one is. Quality time. Quality time. (laughs) And then words of affirmation. That's uh, my love language. That's the one I love to share. I'm just an encourager by nature. But if we look throughout scripture, um, words, the idea of word is such a major thing. If you go to the book of John, he starts off his letter by using this central image of Jesus as Word, right? So the word was with God and the word became God in the beginning was the word. So he uses this image as well in Genesis. God starts out and he speaks creation into existence. So it's God said and it was, and then God said and it was. So he uses this imagery of speaking. We go on into Genesis 2 where God creates Adam and then Eve, and the first thing Adam does once Eve gets created is he sings her a song, right? He just starts talking because she's beautiful. Uh, this is now word of my, or bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called whoa, man. Um, so he he starts with a poem. Um, you could almost hear, you know, Uther Vandross or Smokey Robinson in the background doing a little smooth R&B. And again, I've said. This is why girls tend to always fall for the guys in the band, right? Adam teed that up. It is biblical. If he can sing, he's got a shot, right? Dads are like, he's broken, homeless. And our girls are like, and he sang me a song. He sang a (laughs) song. So he's got a shot. If he can sing, guys, just write that down. Uh, So words are very powerful just throughout Scripture, this theme and idea of words. We read this in Proverbs 19 or chapter 10, verse 19 and 20 too much talk leads to sin, right? Mm. So be sensible and keep your mouth shut. And some of you just highlight that and just meditate on it for the rest of the service. Um, (laughs) You should talk less. The contrast to that is the words of the godly are like sterling silver. So those become a treasure uh, in people's lives. I'm reading this book right now called The Good and the Beautiful and the Kind. And uh, that should be the result of the words that come out of our mouth. So, so as much bad or hurt or pain as words can bring, they can also bring that much good or hope into the world. Yes, uh, I, I heard this illustration a while back and it was interesting because I hadn't heard it framed up this way, that, that our words can have two frequencies. <laughs> Here they are, resonance or dissonance. And, uh, <laughs> Those are competing with each other. Are you going to resonate or are you going to be in dissonance? Meaning this, your, your words and your language will either resonate with the voice of God. So what God's speaking, your words will resonate with that, or they'll be in dissonance to what God is trying to speak and communicate to the world. So where God would speak life, right? Speak love. God speaks the good. God speaks the true. God speaks the beautiful. Okay, well, when... Your words resonate with God, at that point then we create and we make the world a better place and a more beautiful place. If your words are in dissonance, well then you destroy the good and, and you crush the human spirit or you diminish others' value and you bring darkness into the world. All of a sudden then we trade hope for despair or we trade love for hate or life for death. So our words really are very
0: powerful. So pay attention to which frequency you find yourself on. Yeah, that's so good. Um, Because unfortunately, many times our words don't resonate with God Mm -hmm. because we'll run down the gossip route or the slander route or the hurt route. And when we do that, we do destroy Mm-hmm. And we bring death, not life and hope and good and beautiful and kind. So, so I, I love what you're saying there. And, and I think part of that is to make sure that the words that are coming out with our, out of our mouth, that they resonate, uh, resonate with God, mm-hmm. is we got to make sure also the words in our head resonate with God. And, and I think that's an area that we, we mess up sometimes, is because the words in our head will end up becoming words that come out of our mouth. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, I think the words that get in our head come because we'll listen either to ourselves, which I'll get to that in a second, or to the voice of the enemy, um, the evil one, Satan, whatever language you want to use there, that, that he'll speak lies into our head. Now, here's the beautiful thing. Let's make sure that, that we're clear on this. It, if you have surrendered your life to Jesus, uh, then you have the Holy Spirit in you that, that, that the enemy can't come in you. He can't take up residency there because the Spirit has you covered. But he can speak lies into your ears. He can speak lies into your heads. And and remember, he is the father of lies. That's what Jesus called him, that when he speaks, he speaks his native language. And I think what we do is we allow him to speak lies that were unworthy, that were unforgivable, that that person is unworthy. person is unforgivable. That that will allow those words to come in. And then once they're in, what we do is we allow them to fester. We allow them to float. We allow them to fly around. And we give life to these dead words, to these lies, and we let them go on. And then what ends up happening is, is out of our mind, we speak. Out of, out of our mind, we allow it to take root in our heart and we speak. So, so I want to encourage us, let's make sure not just the words out of our mouth resonate with God, but also the words in our head. And, and for that to happen, what we have to do is we got to focus on God's word, that we can't listen to the lies of the enemy, but instead we got to listen to the truth of Jesus. And let me take you back to the very first verse that we shared six weeks ago. The very first uh, proverb we shared was Proverbs 1-3, and it read this way. Their purpose, meaning the, the, the Scripture's purpose, is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right and just and fair, so, so the scriptures, the Proverbs, the all of God's word, that if we will put it in our mind, it'll remove the lies and it will help us to live a disciplined life, a successful life, and to do what is right and just and fair, or as you said, what is beautiful, uh, what is good and what is kind. Mm-hmm. So, so we need to have good words, godly words coming out of our mouth and godly words in our head, but also godly words that we express. And Clay, I want you to talk about these godly words that we either intake or express to yeah. others. And and I think
2: what I'm about to talk about is really the application aspect that many of us apply to our lives. Uh not not 100% but a, a big way. And uh it's talking about words from your fingertips. Like social media is a powerful, powerful, incredible thing that connects people all over the world. I mean, it really is truly phenomenal. Yet, it's incredibly dangerous. And mm-hmm. for a moment, I'm gonna sound like an old curmudgeon guy for, for a second, but here's the truth. You are 28. I am 28. I am <laughs> getting up there. It is scary. I'm almost no longer this gen or on the tail end. But um, with that, like, it's not just, like, People love to be like, all oh, those 13-year-olds are just so addicted to their phones. Girl, you're on Facebook at, at the stoplight, right? Like, it, Everyone's addicted in some form. And the reason I know this is a recent study, uh, this is something I read recently in a book, uh, that found that the average iPhone user, which, iPhone because superior, the average iPhone user touches his or her phone 2,000 617 times a day. I don't think anybody should be touching anything that much.
0: (laughs) That's a lot. That's a lot.
2: Now, if you break this down a little bit and try to think about this just a little bit differently, like I would say that we try to go to some communication app probably like a third of the time, that we, at least, right? So you're talking about 800 times that you are checking your messages, your email, uh, your social media, uh, other messaging apps, like that is a overload of words of communication. And what's happening is we are becoming addicted to these things and what's happening is while we are sitting there in our real life, we are looking at other people's imaginary life and we think of it as an escape but really it's a prison it's trapping us it's, it's tearing us down it's not really bringing a lot of benefit to your life like i, I saw something recently i uh, said when was the last time staying up 45 minutes to s- scroll on social media made your night better mm-hmm. yeah d- never does right Never. never. And what's happening, even though we know that it's people's highlight reels, we know that uh, that is the edited photo, we know that their family is not that happy because no one's happy at family photos, right? Mm -hmm. We we know that TikTok took about five hours to edit that video. We know all that, yet we still find ourselves comparing, which then puts this negative attitude, this negative world into our lives. And it's just like, if I only had this, my family was only like that, if only I could have that kind of relationship, if only I could travel like them, if only I could have their job. And what happened is this negativity that we are consuming and that we are creating inside of us is becoming what we produce. And if we look at a lot of what we produce on social media, these words from our fingertips, a lot of the times they are not uplifting to God. They're not glorifying right. God. So what do we do? Well, it goes back to what Proverbs says. fifteen twenty-eight. it says, the heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. The mouth of the wicked overflows with evil words. Mm. Does your post bring glory to God and encourage others? Mm. Does your post uh, have the right motives behind it? You know, I think about the world that we live in today, and, and one thing I do love, I guess, in some ways about the world that we live in is that everyone can have an opinion. But that doesn't mean everyone should have an opinion. <laughs> I've had a lot of moments in my life where I've had an opinion on a social situation. I've had an opinion on a current event. I've had an opinion on a person. I've had an opinion on something that happened because I saw someone else say something about it. And I quickly realized that, man, my opinion was wrong. Mm -hmm. And the issue that's happening is it goes back to this whole idea of we don't think before we speak, you know. Years before social media happened, we would see something on the news. We would see something that was occurring. to We would see all these different things, right? And we'd be like, okay, this happened. And then we would be forced to wait a day, two days, three days to talk to someone about it, to have that reaction, to have that moment where we kind of communicate what's going on. Today, it's one, two, or three, but it's like, how slow is your internet? And all of a sudden, we can spit something out without ever taking any time to think about it. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't glorify God.
0: That's right.
2: We post something without thinking about it that doesn't glorify God. We have a picture that's online that doesn't glorify God because we didn't think about our motives were wrong. So we have to be super mindful of our words from our fingertips, not just that we are consuming, but that we are producing. That's right. Mm
0: -hmm. Because they matter. Yeah. That whether it's words from your fingertips, words in our head, or words from our mouth, they matter. And in all three of those areas, we need to make sure that those words are godly because that would be his will. And, and that's, that's the, the last topic I want us to hit um, is this idea of God's will. Just curious, how many of you all would say that you would like to know God's will for your life? Okay, raise your hand if if you're there, yeah, most of us, right? Yeah. Like yeah. like you've come to church today, right? You, maybe you came to church today because there was a cute girl who asked you. Okay, the rest of us probably are like, I'm coming because I want to follow God, I want to connect with God, or I want to know God's will for my life. And and sometimes that can seem a little mysterious because you're like, I want to know what His will is for my life. Yeah, I know it's gonna happen. His will is gonna happen. Proverbs says this. It says you can make many plans. But the Lord's purpose will prevail, mm-hmm. All right. So mm-hmm. if God's will is going to happen, like what is our role in that? Or how do we find that? Or what do we do about that? Um, Kevin, help us understand this a little bit more. All right.
1: So, so first, listen, I, I love this theme um, of the will of God, because I think first people are, are all over the map on Mm -hmm. what they they think about this. Here's what I think. I think oftentimes this theme, this issue, first, it gets misused. Um, Mm -hmm. I did young adult ministry for several years, um, and every now and then I would get that one hyper-spiritual guy that would come and say, hey, during my quiet time, God told me I was supposed to ask so-and-so girl out. God told me we're supposed to go out. All right. Then then she would come to me and say, hey, he told me that God told him we're supposed to go out. What should I do? I would tell her. Unless God has told you the same thing and you're not interested, then you should tell him, go spend some more time in your prayer closet because you're on the wrong frequency. (laughs) No one else appreciated that move? All right. I'll take it. Hey, um, and sometimes I think it gets, uh, It just becomes consuming, and it becomes almost we become paralyzed because we're like, well, I I have to make sure I get God's will right. Is this God's will? Is this not God's will? And it just, we become obsessed with it. So I would do this, and I'll give you these briefly, but think of them as God has an eternal will, God has an everyday will, and then God does have an exact will. So so meaning this, there's this eternal or sovereign will of God where God's going to get done what God wants to get done. When he tells us in Genesis 3, after the curse, there's going to come a seed, the serpent's going to strike his heel, but then he will smash that serpent's head. That's going to happen, right? Jesus did come. He died on a cross, horrible death, buried, but then three days later rose to conquer Satan's sin death. Mm -hmm. His His will will prevail. That's right. That will happen. That's the eternal will. There's the everyday, which just means becoming more like him. And then there's the exact will of God which we think of as a specific calling he would place on your life with some very specific details. I would say for most of us, most of us, we're not getting the exact will of God. I don't want to burst your bubble, but um most of us don't have that. Now you may push back and be like, well, "What about Moses?" right? He had a burning bush that told him to go to Egypt and talk to the most powerful man in the land and he went and did that. Or you can go to Paul who uh, is on his way to Damascus. God shows up, knocks him off his donkey, Mm -hmm. blinds him, and then verbally speaks and tells him to go and and do this call. Um, To which I would say, okay, that's fair. If you go home today and your bush at your house is on fire and not being consumed, and it tells you, go to DC, go to the White House, and give a word to the president with some very specific details, uh, go for it. We'll we'll pray for you and send you. If you're riding your donkey home and God knocks you on your tail and blinds you um, and then gives you a specific call to the mission field, man, you should go and we will support that. Again, but that's just the exception, not the norm. And we don't, most of us don't get that calling. Um, Here's what we do read in Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and and he will show you which path to take." And again, some people are like, Booyah, I told you, God has got a will. We're going for ice cream later. I need to know, God, chocolate or vanilla. It's important. I'm just trying to discern. God's move for me every step of the way, to which I would say that that's not the heart of this text. The heart is that you would trust God with your whole heart Not, you know, try to do things your own way, but press into him and he'll make your path straight. He will keep you in bounds and on the right path and the straight path and the great path. So I would say God's will is more about the type of person you are or that you are becoming than a specific calling. And like, how do I know what God's will is then or what type of person? Okay, well, you talk to God. That's how you know, you talk to him. We talk to God through prayer. That's how you can talk to God. God primarily, I'm not saying you couldn't get a word, God primarily talks to us through Scripture. So you read his word and find out what kind of person do you become to look more and increasingly like Christ. The fruit of the Spirit, the Sermon on the Mount, what is God trying to shape and create us into being? That is where I think you find most clearly the will of God. It's less about, in some ways, who, and more about a how, meaning It's much less about who you marry. I think God wants you to marry a certain type of person, but less about is it Mary Jean and more about how you Mm -hmm. marry them. It's less about, you know, what you name your children and more about how you become a godly parent. It's less about where do I live? Do I go to this house? And more about how do I become the neighbor that God would intend for me to be, right? So many people get caught up on, you know, in dating. I've got to find the one I need. Mm -hmm. Who is the mythical one? I think God cares that you would be committed to whichever one you walk down the aisle and live more in a That's godly right. way, the way you serve and take care of them. So the big idea, who are you becoming? And God clearly lays out, here's what it looks like to be an imitator of Christ. And once you do that, I think the big questions you have, you'll have more peace, more clarity and confidence in making them. Mm-hmm. And here's what we read. Let's wrap this up in Colossians 1, 9 through 10. Paul's praying this for the Colossians, and he says, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding the spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in good work. That's his will.
0: Sorry. That's all right. I don't know if it's me or you, but either way, the truth is here. You know what I mean? That live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him. Yeah. Like that's His will. That's His everyday will for us. And and we learn that from, from talking to God about it. We learn it by by by, by us praying and then us receiving from mm-hmm. the Lord what He has to say. That, that's the biggest and best way for us to determine His will for our life and yeah. how to be transformed into His likeness. But there's a secondary way to learn that, and that's through... Godly wisdom, that, that if I want to please God in every way, then, then learn what he has to say from me, uh, to me, but also talk to others who can encourage us and challenge us and coach us. That's one reason we say around here all the time, make sure you have a coach in your life. That, that you need somebody who can give you some godly wisdom, somebody who, who sees a blind spot and says, hey, this is an area of your life that needs to be transformed. Uh, somebody who, when you're making a decision and you ask them, they're able to say, well, when I was reading God's word, this is what I caught, and, and this is what I think would be good godly wisdom for you in this moment. And, and, and I think we can really seek his will every day when we listen to good godly wisdom. I think our problem is, is we often don't wanna listen to it. Well, we wanna ask for it, but we don't always listen. It's like I'd come to you, Clay, and say, hey, I got this idea, I think God's wanting me to do this, and if you said no, I'd go, okay, thanks. Hey, Mark, I got this idea that I wanna, you see what I'm saying? It's like we ignore oftentimes what is being shared, and we, we, we go, well, that wasn't what I wanted, So now I'm going to go ask somebody else until somebody finally agrees with me and then go, okay, now check, I've got godly wisdom, right? So we got to be real careful not to cherry pick who we're listening to, but to find somebody who will give us godly wisdom and then follow it. Uh, Proverbs reads this way, my son, pay attention to my wisdom, listen carefully to my wise counsel. So so we should ask God, and he'll give it. We should ask people, trusted people who live a, a biblical world life, ask them, and then put it into practice. And Clay, help us to understand that side of just putting it into practice. Yeah,
2: I think this is probably the hardest part of all this, because I think we we do want to seek the will of God. I I think we do ask those questions. I think we do go to other people. I think we try to obtain as much information as possible. But then that taking the step of faith about the will of God, that's where it gets really difficult because that is a leap. That is something that you're going into the unknown. That's somewhere you could fail and that's scary. Mm -hmm. So it's like, what, what do you do? How do you respond that way? Well, Proverbs lays it out perfectly. Proverbs 4, 25 through 27, it says, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Hmm. Another way to say this is begin with the end in mind.
0: Which is a beautiful idea.
2: Yeah, just start that way. Think about where you are trying to head. Then on verse 26, it says, mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. You know, I I thought that scripture was really interesting when I was breaking the scripture down because the idea of marking out that, That's a verb. That's something that is active. That is something you were doing where a lot of people are like, okay, I I always took it as I'm just going to walk on the the path and I'm going to get where I need to go. But this says you really got to take in that wisdom that God and other people have given you and create a path to go down to get to that end of the line. Um, Now, you might be on that path and eventually God might maneuver the path and change the path a little bit. But you go, okay, here's where I'm heading for now in this season. God, wherever you want me to go. Other than that, okay, I trust you. But then it says, don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Another way to say that is don't get distracted. Mm -hmm. And I work with this gen a lot, but this doesn't just apply to this gen, where people will get all amped up. They'll get excited to go down that path, to go to that end marker, and they'll get about a mile down the road. And as they get about a mile down the road, They'll get a new job, or they'll get a new relationship, or the kid's ball season starts, and all of a sudden, you get distracted, you get pulled away, and you lose your path. And I would say the way to defeat getting distracted is simple. It's wisdom. And my hope for all of us in this room, our hope for all of us in this room, is that we find wisdom. That's the point of this tailgate talk is that we gain wisdom because there's a lot of us in this world that are trying to figure out life where we don't understand how we should be working. We don't understand how we should be wealthy. We don't understand how uh, our relationships should be. And we, we live this life in complete confusion going, man, I don't know what to do. Well, the answer to that is simple. It's gain wisdom. And the idea and the way to gain wisdom is to go back to the words that we talked about today. And that is God's word and his will you open up God's word if you begin to discover God's word you will find that Jesus died on the cross for you because you matter to him and that will begin to change your words to other people but also to yourself and that will give you a drastic difference on how you're speaking about situations but then as you begin to discover God's word you will realize that you need to follow his will and that God has a plan for you, that God is working something in your life, that God has created the structure and this gift set that he's given you. And you go, okay, how do I take what he's given me and how do I live it out? Okay, that's God's will. And when you do that, life will look drastically different. It doesn't mean it won't be hard. It doesn't mean there won't be challenges. That doesn't mean there won't be distractions that pop up. It doesn't mean that that you won't get frustrated at times, but within all of that, you'll have the wisdom to get through it because you understand God's words and you understand God's will. And today I'm gonna challenge us to seek that wisdom. Maybe today for the first time, you're hearing that Jesus died on the cross for you. Well, right now, here in this moment, you can have a moment where you say, Jesus, I'm choosing to follow you because I know that I matter to you. Maybe someone needs to take a step of baptism because you're recognizing, like, I'm sick of the old life that I was living. I want a new life where I'm seeking wisdom. I'm seeking Jesus. I'm seeking life with him. Just like Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, that's what that symbolizes. The old life to the new life. Maybe you take communion up here as a reminder of Jesus' death on the cross for you. Maybe you need to have a moment of prayer at your seat asking the Lord for wisdom. Maybe you need to go leave here today and have a tailgate talk with somebody that you care about. because we're all searching for answers in this life, we don't know it all. And the way we seek it is to seek wisdom. So right now I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna ask God to give us wisdom as we go into this time of response. Jesus, we seek you today. We look for you. Please give us wisdom as we try to figure out this world, Lord, and we know that you are the one that will give it to us. Lord, we just choose to follow you today. We love you. Amen. Amen.